Get ready for the Synthesizer Library podcast. Because, let's face it, synthesizers are just cool. Welcome back to the Synthesizer Library podcast. It's been a couple of weeks since I've done the podcast, and I'm really excited today because I have a special guest here in the studio. Her name is Ginger, and I'll have her introduce herself to you. Go ahead, Ginger. Hello. Ginger, what do you think about synthesizers? I don't know. (laughs) Um, I think the correct answer is they're super cool. I've never seen a real one before. What are you talking about? All of these things are synthesizers. I didn't know that. Well, now you do. Because I'm not the one that that works in the studio. Well, I'm glad you're here visiting today. Should we get started talking about today's topic? Ginger, what do you think about this synthesizer right here? Does it look pretty neat? Can you read these letters right here? I don't know what the first letter is. It's kind of a funny-looking E. It doesn't have the other line. Yeah, it's missing one of the lines. Let's, so if that were had a line right there, that would be an E. So let's see here, see if you can say what it's called. E-S-Q-L. Yeah, and that L is actually a 1. That's so it's the E-S-Q-1. Did you know that this was my very first synthesizer? No. It was. I bought it back in high school when I saved up all my money. And guess what? Your grandpa, my dad, thought I was wasting my money. He thought I would never use it. And guess what? It is still sitting right next to me in my studio. And that was like 20 some years ago. So that, Ginger is demonstrating one of the built-in sounds. That is the Piano one, and you know what? It's a horrible sounding piano. Does not really sound like a piano at all. So that's one thing about the Insonic ESQ-1. It was not very popular in its day, and I think part of the reason is because a lot of synthesizer um, sales were going towards emulating real world instruments. And that's not really where the Insonic ESQ-1 excels. It does not do a very good job of making piano sounds. It does okay with organ sounds, but when it comes to synthesizer sounds, I think Ginger has something to say. But one second. When it comes to synthesizer sounds, um, it really does a great job. And one of the reasons that it fits really nicely in a modern studio is even though it has digital waveforms, the filters in them are actually analog and that gives it a nice organic warm feel where um, some of the later harsh pure digital synthesizers just don't sound real nice in the mix and now ginger is playing with some buttons that she's found but i think she has something to say what is it jen my favorite synthesizer is the one um under your your first one Okay, that is actually a Rhodes piano, and it's a Mark I, and I have it painted with a sparkle red top, and it's pretty darn cool. I've been restoring it, but that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about the ESQ-1. 
All right, hang on. Okay, so I have kind of an exciting announcement to make. So just today on synthlib.com, the website for this podcast, I launched a new feature where you're able to contribute patches for, well, eventually it's going to be for any synthesizer out there. I'm going to slowly build up definitions for each synth. Um, but at this point, you can you can upload patches for the ESQ1 and the, or the Roland Juno 6 slash 60. And I'm going to be adding more patches or more instruments and more patches every time I do a podcast and as we go along. And hopefully with between your patches and my patches and somebody else's patches, maybe we borrow from somewhere. I don't know. Hopefully what I want to do is build a great big library of sound patches that we can all contribute together and make the biggest, baddest synthesizer library on the planet. And that's kind of why this is called Synthesizer Library. So things are starting to roll. I'm excited about that. So go take a look at it. It'll be at synthlib.com. Right there on the homepage, you should see some buttons. It'll take you right to the library for those synths. You can download the system-exclusive MIDI files for the ESQ-1. Of course, not for the Roland because it doesn't have MIDI, that particular one. And, um, yeah, give it a, give it a look. I think you're going to like it. So back to the ESQ-1. As far as the, the voice architecture, I've already mentioned that the, that you're given digital oscillators, but you're actually given three of them for each sound, which then go through three different DCAs and are merged together through an analog filter. And so those DCAs act as sort of a mixer to mix those um, oscillators before they go into the filter. And all along the way, there are several places where you can modify the pitch in the oscillator or the amplitude in the DCA or the filter amount or resonance. All those things can be modified by several different things. Um, Some of them include the LFOs. There's three of them available. And the envelopes, there's four of them available. Although the last one is really, um, it's kind of hardwired to the final output of the sound. Um, you can use it to, to, you can still use it to modify other parts of the sound as well, but it def, it has to be, be used to modify the end result of the sound. In addition to the LFOs and the envelopes, um, you can also modify the sound or modulate the sound using the, um, the modulation wheel, external controllers, velocity, uh, the, the range on the keyboard, Several things like that, uh, external CV pedal, things like that. Um, but in, let's get into the sound, though. So um, the oscillators, uh, I don't want to go through each and every waveform, but I want to give you a taste of what some of the, the basic waves sound like. So I'm going to switch over to a patch that is called Basic that comes in one of the sound cartridges, and um, it by default is set up with a saw waveform and here's what it sounds like i'm sure you've heard a sound a saw waveform plenty of times let's switch that to the bell waveform sine square pulse which of course is a variation on the square noise noise two noise three a bass, which of course sounds better down that range. 
a piano waveform. So after those initial waveforms, the, the sine and the saw and the square and the pulse and noise and those kinds of things, after those, which are pretty traditional waveforms for a synthesizer, then it gets into a range of these sampled waveforms. And so the bass, the piano, electric piano, which could be used to make roads type thing, but it's kind of weird. Then there's um, voice, voice two, this kick one. I think is supposed to be used for a kick drum, but so for um, saxophone type sounds, there's, there's a reed, the organ, which actually just the pure organ waveform actually sounds not too bad as far as organ goes. And it's got these things called synth, which is kind of weird. And then a formant, which are supposed to be used to kind of make vowel sounds for speech. Then it gets back into pulse two, square two, octaves, kind of an organ sound. This one's called prime, bass two. Here's electric piano two. Octave, octave and fifths, and that's it. So, as far as your sound building blocks, there's quite a bit to choose from here. Um, in a couple podcasts ago, I was talking about the Roland Juno 6, which is a little bit older synth, actually not much older than the Yiski one. And you only have the a square and a saw and then a sub um, oscillator and of noise. So you really have really only three things to choose from. And the ESQ-1 has 32 different waves to choose from. And just kind of a side note um, on the ESQ-1, there's actually more waveforms available in memory and the SQ-80, which was sort of the next uh, version of the ESQ-1, opened those up and added a whole bunch of more waveforms. In the ESQ-1, they're, they're still there, but they're, um, they're a bunch of weird garbly sounding waves there if you take a, a patch for the sq80 and you install it on the esq1 through midi you'll be able to get at some of those waves and they so there's kind of like a hidden bonus but they're not particularly useful really okay so now i'm going to try something that uh i don't know how this is going to go but i'm going to try building a sound right here while you're listening and I'm going to narrate what I'm doing. So I'm starting here with this basic patch and I really don't have any idea of what I want to get to, which is probably not the way to do it, but you probably want to have some sort of idea. Um, so I'm just thinking, starting with this basic patch, I like how it is, but um, it's a little bit too harsh. Maybe I want to bring the filter cutoff frequency down a bit. So it starts out at 100 on this patch. So there it is at 60. Now maybe I want to have that modulated by the envelope. And it's set on envelope 3, but it's not affecting it at all. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set the level of the modulation on 
the filter cutoff frequency to be controlled or modulated by envelope three, setting the value to 63. You can hear how it comes in, the, the filter sweeps in really quickly and it's back to the regular sound. So maybe I want to make that a little bit slower. So I'm going to take, um, I'm going to go into envelope three and I'm going to adjust the time one so it's a little bit slower to, to ramp up. Okay, that's a lot slower. Okay, cause so you can hear how it kind of sweeps in. And it, it decays real fast. That's because time two on this envelope three is pretty low, it's 18. So I'm gonna make that longer. So you can hear it kind of sweeps it up and down, the, the filter cutoff frequency. So now it's starting from where I left it, which was 60. And these, these numbers on the ESQ-1, they're kind of arbitrary. They don't, it doesn't mean that the filter cutoff frequency is necessarily 60 anything as far as hertz or kilohertz or anything like that, because that would be just kind of a weird spot. But um, you can refer to the manual. They do kind of go into a little bit of math and show you where the, uh, how those numbers relate to actual frequencies. But um, sort of a, a MIDI standard is that it works with numbers from 0 to 127 or 1 to 128. And the ESQ-1 actually uh, cuts those in half a lot of the times. But this, the filter cutoff frequency goes from 0 to 127. Um, so here it is all the way at 127. Of course, the filter or the envelope sweep doesn't really take into effect because it's all the way open anyway. So I'm going to bring the bring it down. Bring it down. So that has the... Um, the frequency starting at 34 and then the envelope 3 is mod modulating that. Now I'm going to try to make it so that the final output doesn't continue on, on and on too much after the the frequent after the filter sweep is done. So I'm going to take envelope 4 and I'm going to adjust it so that level 3 goes down now one quick tip for editing patches or editing anything on the ESQ-1 um, if you want to return a value to zero you're given up and down switches buttons to press up 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 down 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 or you have a data entry slider that scrolls through numbers quickly but even with those two methods it sometimes is hard to get right at the number you want. Well, if you want to get right to zero, if you press the down button and hold it and press the up button, it'll reset that value, whatever you're editing to the default value, which is usually right in the middle zero. So level three on envelope four was set to 63 and I can, I can quickly change that to zero with two buttons.
All right, so what else should we do to this sound? Um, how about we make the, um, we'll, we'll look at DCA4, the final output stage, and the pan right now is set to 8, which in ESQ1 speak is right in the middle, and it has no modulation. So I'm going to set the modulation to, let's set it to LFO, well, try, I'm going to try wheel. So this is the modulation wheel. And I'm going to make it modulate it all the way up to 63. So let me see. The thing is the wheel is also set to modulate other things, so it's changing the pitch along with it. But you can hear it move off to one side. So let me change that to LFO. Let's try LFO 1. Let's try LFO 2. I don't think it's used for anything else. So you can hear that kind of wildly pan back and forth. So I'm going to go into LFO2 and adjust it. So it's got a pretty high frequency for the LFO2. It's all the way up to 63, which is the highest it goes. That's slowing that down. The other thing is the waveform on that is noise, which is kind of random. So I'm going to set it to triangle. So you can hear that the hear the sound panning back and forth because I use that LFO. All right, um, maybe I'll introduce another wave because right now it's uh, our, yeah another oscillator. So right now I'm only using oscillator one. So let's go into oscillator two. And the reason I know only oscillator one is being used is because DCA one is set to on while DCA two and three are set to off. The output's off. So and turn DCA2 on, which turns on the output from oscillator 2. And I'm going to bring up the level. I don't even... I think it's set to a noise waveform. So, kind of odd sounding. Let me try changing that. So, it's set to octave down three octaves and a square waveform. getting to be kind of a strange sound. So maybe I'll uh, do something kind of crazy and have the the LFO1 adjust the pitch of oscillator 2. Kind of, okay, so that one's kind of slow. Let me set it to LFO2. Pretty crazy. So you can do some wild things with this. Not sure how useful this sound is getting to be, but of course I mentioned already that I was doing this on the fly. Alright, I don't really like that pitch modulating like that.
came of this really strange sound. I'm not really sure how I would use that. I probably wouldn't use that. Um, so that's basically the process for creating a sound, and hopefully you have better luck coming up with something useful. Um, it probably will work better for you if you're not talking into a microphone while you're trying to do it. Um, but I didn't uh, go into the sequencer very much, so I wanted to mention that really quick. So it has an 8-track sequencer built right into the ESQ-1, and it's kind of cool because it can control both internal sounds, eight different ones at the same time, and or it can control external MIDI instruments. Back in the day before digital audio workstations and computer-based sequencers were all the rage, I used to use the ESQ-1's onboard sequencer to kind of map out sounds with external gear, and it was pretty effective. Um, it has some nice editing capabilities, although these days it doesn't feel very user-friendly. Back then it felt like it was just a dream to have all these eight tracks available. And then you can take your sequences of eight tracks each and you can chain them together in the song mode. So you can actually kind of expand that out where you have eight tracks. Maybe you keep the drums going on one track to the next sequence and then you swap out something else. So it can make it feel like there's a lot more than just eight tracks available. Um, as far as the MIDI external control goes, it it can seek, uh, sync to external MIDI clock or it can control external MIDI clock. So you can use an external sequencer as well and add to the tracks that the ESQ-1 has built in. So um, you can actually use this in sort of a live mode as well. I, I think you could. If you prepared all your sequences or some sequences in advance, you have these tracks going and controlling external MIDI equipment. And right in the mix slash MIDI button in that menu you can mute tracks really easily so a lot of times these days you see these sort of edm guys with their sequencers and all these all this gear and they're usually doing sequencing on the fly where that they'll play in a part and then they'll be able to add that to the existing loops that are already going if you use if you use the esq1 sequencer like that you can use the mix midi section to mute those tracks that you don't want at any time so you can you can build up a whole sequence you can have this loop going controlled by the esq1 only thing you can't do is uh, layer on top of those in real time so you'd have to have everything recorded in advance in these tracks so maybe it's not the most convenient live sequencer to have around but it could work in a pinch another thing to mention is the screen itself has a row of five buttons above and five buttons below, which gives you 10 different access points to whatever is being displayed on the screen. So in, during this era of synthesizers, one of the big complaints was menu diving. So you'd have to push a button or maybe even you wouldn't even see the menu at all. And it's hard to know exactly what you're editing or you have to dive several buttons down to get to something to edit. Um, without having too much screened on the front panel, the ESQ-1 makes great use of the screen, and at any moment, when you're editing a sound, you can just press the button above or the button below the screen and immediately start editing that parameter. 
So it makes it really pretty quick. It's not maybe not as fast as having one knob for every function, sort of the dream, but um, it's it's not bad. It's pretty close. And then one last thing over here on the left side of the synth, there is a slot for a program cartridge. It lets you store basically the same amount of patches internally onto an external cartridge if you can find one that's writable. Um, I have two of them, so I'm kind of lucky. But they are, there are also several factory-made sound cartridges, sound libraries that are not meant to be written over, but you just plug them in and then you have new sounds available. The ESQ1 official library, the sounds, in my opinion, are not that great. And it's probably, I mean, it's just my opinion, but I think it's more fun just to build an amazing sound like, like this one that I've built on this podcast. Okay, maybe it's not that amazing. And maybe you are better off using the internal or the, the company-provided sounds. Um, but I didn't mention, so the, the program cartridge has slot 4. Um, actually, it more than doubles the internal memory. So the internal memory has four screens with 10 patches each on them, 10 sounds, so that is a total of 40. And then the cartridge has a slot for cartridge A and cartridge B, but it's really just on one cartridge. And each of those has four screens of 10. So the cartridge has 80 sounds on it. So together, of course, 80 plus 40, that's like a million. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Of course, it's 120 sounds if you have a cartridge. And the cartridge is really great. The, the, the writable one, I highly recommend trying to find one if you have an ESQ1 and saving your sounds there instead of the internal sounds. And the reason is because there is an internal battery on the ESQ1 that is getting harder to replace. Um, and they don't last very long. And once they're gone, and if you have to do any kind of a reset on your ESQ1, then your patches are gone. And But if you save them off to the cartridge, you can do all sorts of resets, do whatever you want to it, and everything's saved over in the cartridge. And you can even take it out and take it to someone else's ESQ1, plug it in, and have all your sound. So highly recommend having the cartridge if you can get your hands on one. Now, the internal memory slots, they're not a bad place to drop things because the, the problem with writing on the cartridge is that you're always overriding something that you won't be able to get back. Where on the internal memory, if you're kind of, you've kind of built an amazing sound, like this one, okay, not amazing, and you want to save it, but you're not really sure if you want to keep it, maybe drop it into the internal memory, you'll have it for a while, if you want to undo it, you can reset your synth and you'll get the factory synth, the factory sounds back. All right, so that's the ESQ-1 in a nutshell. Hopefully you've learned something from this program. One last thing, though, uh, get a roadie if you're going to get an ESQ-1. These things are super heavy, but they're worth it, I think. I've, Like I said at the beginning, I've had this one a really long time, and I think I'm still learning new things about it every time I turn it on and try try stuff. And part of that might be because things like the T1V or something like that in the envelope section, and I still don't understand what that does. 
Well, I do, but I have to remind myself every time. And I'm not going to explain it here because I'll make a mess of it. So go to go to the manual and read about the parameters for the envelope because they're a little bit tricky. Oh, good. Ginger's back. Hang on. So, Ginger, I just finished the podcast. You're just in time to say goodbye to the audience. So here, let me lift you up. Come here. Goodbye. I hope you had a great podcast. Thanks, Ginger. All right, bye. So I just remembered that um, I kind of left you thinking that I don't know what I'm doing as far as programming the sounds on the ESQ-1. So I just wanted to go back and say, guess what? I can program this thing, and here are a couple of sounds that I've made. Hold on. So I call this one Build. that's just ESQ1 right there. There's no effects or anything like that. Okay, and here's a kind of percussive one that I made. Here is one that I don't know what I called it. I have the modulation wheel open at the filter. Probably got a little distorted there. Uh, and I did the same one with in mono mode. And let's see, there was one other one. This bass sound I just made. <laughs> 